Um, man, it's been kind of a whirlwind the last f- few days. Um, I'm having to just try to take a moment and and let the Holy Spirit kind of speak to me because the most powerful message probably that I could tell you is the last few days of what the Lord's been speaking in my heart. And when Trey passed, um, most of you don't know him and you've heard me talk about him. And I understand that puts you in a situation where it is really hard to, to feel the same kind of compassion when you don't know the person, you haven't spoke to him. We can all have compassion for someone who has, um, family who's lost someone, but um, I don't know. I, I've, I've done some funerals of believers and it's always easier to do a funeral of a believer. But man, I got to just tell you guys, to be, a, to be able to lead someone to the Lord and be as sure as their salvation as yours, and then a short time later before really the world has time to pull them away in temptation for them to go on to the Lord and, and, and know without a shadow of a doubt that they're standing face to face with Jesus. It puts it all in perspective. When they loaded Trey into that hearse, it's a mixed emotions because I feel sorrow for the family because I know they're hurting. But I told Jen, I came home, and I said, I never felt my backbone straighter than it was at that moment because a fellow warrior in the faith, I was taken home and just to be a part of that. I don't know. It's very hard for me to put into words. I just got to tell you that March 29th, at noon, at high noon, Trey accepted the Lord. On March 28th, I chickened out on talking to him about his faith. On March 29th, it was not quite as difficult because the room was a little less people in it. But I know what you go through when you can have that self-doubt. You know, here's a person who's got cancer or anything and, and they barely know you and do you, do you jump in there and start talking to them about their relationship with the Lord? And it's easy for us in this moment when they're not there, you're not in that situation, to say, sure. And I'm just going to tell you, none of these stories I tell you about what God does in my life, I intend uh, to pump myself up because it's not me. I'm not saying that false humility. It's really not me. It's just come down to availability. You make yourself available. Can you minister to every single person in that struggles that comes your way? No. But those moments when God says, this is the one you walk with, and you lay down your schedule and you do whatever the whatever needs to be done, then you get to just taste of that glory of, I mean, he's gone to be with the Lord. And he could have missed it by two months. You know what I mean? How good is the Lord they put someone in his path? Could have been me, anybody, but that someone that would talk to that person made the difference in their eternity. These are simple things that we all as believers we know. But I'm just telling you, it's almost like it's just been real simplified and clarified for me. It's really that simple that so many people are hanging in the balance and their eternity is on the line. And we don't want to take a chance on missing that opportunity. Dave and I talked the day before. You know, man, Dave, I wanted to talk to him, but there's so many people in the room and his boys there I didn't know. And Dave, you remember. And then the next day it was just you and Marsha, Dave's wife, and, and uh, Trey's wife, and took the opportunity. And man, what a beautiful experience. When we baptized him, the tears and the water from pouring the water over his head because we had to baptize in the bed just mixed, you know, and it's just, it was a beautiful thing. 
Well, I want to, I want, I didn't even intend to really talk about that, but really what I, what the Lord had me prepare for tonight fits well into that. I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this before, and I'm going to be real with you. There are people who are not coming to New Song recently, right now, because of this subject. I'm not being harsh. I'm not wanting you to try to think, who is that? Because we have enough people come and go. I know you're not going to figure it out, so I can tell you. So I'm not picking on anybody, but that happens. That happens because, because people will come and there's not anything that says Pentecostal on the sign. There's not anything that says Assembly of God and they come in here and, and we're preaching about other things and we're going and, and worship. Like, man, I feel, we'll hear them say, man, just, I can feel the presence of God. This is awesome. And, and, and I, I just sense that God is moving here. And so many great things. I remember a long time ago, and they'll be okay with me telling this because they've moved on to California, but uh, some of you remember Paula and Jeff Lamrand, the game. So one of the funniest stories, they've been coming, loved the church, really felt God moving, and we go to eat with them like we do a lot of times when people come new. We try, if we can, to meet with them. And they're telling us this story about how they had this really crazy experience. They went to this Pentecost church, and people were speaking in tongues and all this stuff and rolling on the floor. And, and she's telling me this, and, and I said, Paula, we're Pentecostal. No. You know, it was no. Like, I mean, and I made her feel better. I was like, it's okay. I actually, this is really fun that you, you're doing this. But, but it's such a controversial topic among believers. And I really, we talk about why that is, and this seemed even in my notes, but, but really, why is that? Let's get a little discussion going. Because I really am past the point I wanted to preach at you about Long past the point, I want to preach at you about the infilling Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you about it. And so I want to know, this might take some boldness. There might be someone in this room who says, I'm not sure I'm all in agreement about it, and I got questions. And then I'm going to be scared because I'm going to hope I can answer them biblically for you. But, but I think we need to talk about it. Because I believe we're at a crossroads. I don't know that this church can go in that new building and really grow until we see the Holy Spirit begin, people begin to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Because so I read something from Rick Warren when his church started to really grow, when it was small and when it started getting bigger, and he got up before his people and made a statement. He said, I'm at the end of myself. I can't do any more than I'm doing right now for this church unless people in the church start operating in their gifts. Until they discover their gifts and begin operating and begin to help me in that, I can't do any more. Because uh, the, the situation with Trey, um, with Mike Carroll walking down the road, the guy that went to Teen Challenge, with all these situations, this is no, no bragging point on me. It's simply been every time, if you remember the story, it's like I was arguing with God and the Holy Spirit said do this. Arguing with God and the Holy Spirit said do this. Arguing with God and the Holy Spirit did this. The power of the Holy Spirit and him speaking in our lives is the difference between your life as a believer taking on full meaning and full purpose and flourishing and simply existing as a believer and follower of Christ. I, I really struggled with saying it that way tonight, but I believe it's time to get down the nitty gritty. It is the difference between sometimes just existing in your walk with the Lord. I'm not saying you can't lead somebody to the Lord. I'm going to tell you that when I became a believer, I hid for some time. I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and you couldn't shut me up. So from a personal standpoint, so I want to know, what are some of your, what are some of your, okay, and if you need to do this, I know someone who has this concern, okay? And then we'll all wonder if it's really you, okay? So when you have your out, it's okay. 
We won't count that as fibbing. Lord, help us tonight. We'll, we'll just count that as, sure, your friend. So I believe, and a new song in our, ten, our tenets of faith, is that, that salvation is a single work of its own. Jesus died on the cross and paved the way. The thief on the cross is one of the easiest and best to use. He had no time for water baptism. He had no time for Holy Spirit baptism. That's recorded. That he believed in a moment of truth while another one didn't. We had, what a great dichotomy there to have the unbeliever and the believer. And he says, I believe and Jesus says, truly I tell you, you'll be with me today in paradise. Boom. Saved. Because saved means your name's written in the Lamb Lamb's, Lamb's Book of Life. And you're on your way to heaven. So, then water baptism. Water baptism. Remember, John the Baptist didn't want to baptize Jesus. Didn't feel worthy. And Jesus wanted him to and said, you must because... It was the public confession of faith. He wanted to lead the way that we are saying we made that decision. And it's identifying with Christ in that we are buried like Christ, raised again from the dead, like Jesus did on the third day, a new creation. The old man is gone. The old man is buried. But the Holy Spirit baptism, you know, we see later um, Paul runs into some believers who 20 years before had been led to Christ and water baptized by John the Baptist. And he said... Uh, um, so have, when, when did you receive the Holy Spirit? They don't know what he's talking about. So he has to back up. When, when did you believe? When were you baptized? Oh, we received John's baptism. Oh, well, he ends up laying his hands on them. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. So I believe from those, if you took just that instance, if that's all we had in Scripture, the whole Scripture, proof positive there's a separate work of the Holy Spirit, the Baptist Holy Spirit. Just proof positive in that one, one text. There, there's other examples, but that one. So then what do you do with that? Well, then you get into some denomination and say, well, that gift ceased. And that, that gets in a little deeper than we probably need to go at this point tonight in one lesson. But, but I hope that answers it. So it is a separate work. So you were saved at the point you said, you're my Lord. I want to turn away from sin. Forgive me. And you're on, you're on your way. Yes. Witnesses.
Sure. And, and you know, uh, the example that, that I'm talking about, and I'm sorry right now until I get into this, I, I'm trying to think of our exact scripture reference to this, but Paul, you know, here's the deal. These people were hanging out for 20 years, you know, as, as believing in the one true God, had made a decision to, to follow God, which not to follow Christ because it's pretty, you know, I mean, our, to follow Christ, but I mean, their main decision, I mean, we've got a, a little bit here where Paul... Uh, comes after Jesus had, had died on the cross, but but they make this decision. So for 20 years, but there is an issue Paul took. Basically, there's there there's more to the story, is what Paul's telling. There's there's more that could be happening in your walk. So the the problem is, as we run into, we we don't want to be the ones telling another believer, I feel like you're missing something, because then it makes them feel like, are you saying you're a better Christian than me? So we always go to that. The disciples did. We always go to comparing each other to each other. And, and it's really hard to tell somebody the truth of you might be missing something from God, but it has nothing to do with me. I'm just one beggar trying to tell another beggar where to find bread. I'm just telling you what happened to me. It's like, it, you know, we can't compare it. We can't, and somehow in our minds, compare it to the lame man who gets healed, and he doesn't really know all of the Old Testament and be able to quote it chapter and verse, but he can walk into town and say, all I know is I was lame, I met Jesus, now I can walk. His testimony. I, all I can tell you is that uh, I would rather have been put in a trash can or my head in the toilet in junior high than to tell somebody as a Christian and then I go to summer camp or church camp and I get filled with the Holy Spirit. I come back and I'm witnessing down the halls of the, the junior high. It's not because I read Acts and said, okay, now this is what I have to do because I got it. It's what it did to me. Okay, so we know that that's Acts account. Let me get into the message. I, wanna, I may chop this up a little bit here, so just hang with me. Um, so in Romans 8.37, if you want to turn there, because we'll touch on that. I want to talk, uh, the, the, the whole point is the benefits of the baptismal Holy Spirit. So the day of Pentecost uh, really can be considered the most important day in history of the church up to this point. And I say that for a reason, because many people think that the resurrection was the most important day in the history of the church. Well, the resurrection is for the believer, but when we say the church... For the church, the day of Pentecost was the most important day. Because Jesus died on the cross, there was an opportunity for salvation, but how will they know unless they hear, right? How will they know unless you tell them? How will they know unless they hear the gospel? And everybody's hiding out. How long would they have hidden out? How long would they have feared for their lives? How long would the church have been um, underground? Until the day of Pentecost. So, but it was on the day of Pentecost over 2,000 years ago that the Holy Spirit was poured out. And it was for the purpose of giving to the church everything that was needed to become the entity on earth that would change the course of history forever. It ha we had to be earth changers. We had to be world changers. We couldn't simply be, be self-changers, right? Or, or just ourselves being changed. That wasn't the gospel. The gospel was um, the true, um, not bad, pyramid scheme if you will once you got it 
you bring others in, right? And, and you have all these disciples under you, right? You're at the top of the pyramid because you brought them in. The only difference is it's not for, you know, the vacation home or the um, timeshare in Branson or anything like that. But, but, that's, but the idea is that it's meant to share. And so with everybody hiding out after the crucifixion, something had to change. And so the Holy Spirit comes. So first we see God giving his son for the salvation of all mankind. Those who repent of sin and then make Jesus Lord of their lives receive of eternal life. And then this salvation has been so freely offered to all mankind, it opens the doors of our hearts to invite the Holy Spirit to enter and take up residence. So the Holy Spirit then at that point is taking up residence in you. So you're not missing the Holy Spirit if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let's be clear about that. You are not a Christian walking around without the Holy Spirit. That's not what we're saying when we draw a difference between those who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the uh, initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. So you're not missing the Holy Spirit. There's just an additional work that the Holy Spirit wants to do. Um, in Romans 8, 15-17, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If, we indeed, uh, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And so as the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, we receive every, every uh, character of Christ and we become new creations. So we get the fullness of Christ. That's righteousness. His righteousness becomes yours. You're justified, which in Bible college we used a little thing to help you remember what justified means, just as if I'd never sinned. You're never more justified down the road than you were when you first got saved. There is a difference in sanctification where you become more and more like Christ. That's a turning away from sin. The further you get away from sin, you become more like Christ. So the Holy Spirit takes up residence. Secondly, before Jesus ascended to the Father, he said this to his disciples in Luke 24, 49. He says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He's talking to followers. He's talking to Christians, Christ followers, the first Christians, and he's telling them to wait until you're a dude with power from on high. So John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So the Father, sorry, I don't have my contacts, so... The Father gives the Holy Spirit to those who are saved. Jesus is the one who baptizes in with the Holy Spirit, and it is baptism that gives us the power of Christ. So Christ is the one who sent the Holy Spirit. And then we see Romans 3, uh, 8.37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So I believe in all of this. I believe it's God wor- God's word. It's for me. It's for you that there is a separate work of the Holy Spirit um, where I have kind of found my way on this, though, is I, I grew up in, in kind of a church culture where there's some evangelists that would want you to focus solely on getting that gift. And so you'd form lines in the front of the church, and 
people be pushing on your foreheads and trying to get you to say, you know, just speak, just speak, just speak, just speak. Now, I have prayed with people and told them to keep praising God out loud because I have found that there is a difference when someone breaks out of that. There's a little bit of pride, a little bit of scared, a little bit of, you know, maybe there's embarrassment. But that's sometimes the breakthrough they need is because they're coming up, they're wanting something to happen to them, but they're too intimidated to speak out praises to the Lord out loud. And they need to get out of their comfort zone and begin to speak praises to the Lord. And then I've seen people just baptize with the Holy Spirit like that. I've also seen people pray through, we prayed for folks up here before, through a whole evening, I mean prayed for long hour, you know, hours, and, and they didn't receive. And, and I don't always know why some have at times and some not, um, there can be a time where you have to do a check in your spirit. Is everything right? Am I, am I being obedient in, in, uh, in my life? So let's get into, I'm going to open up discussions again a little bit. Let's talk about it, some characteristics or some purposes of this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to start with prayer language. Because this is one that I think is misunderstood by those who maybe didn't grow up around this teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that there is more than one purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One can be for the edification of the body, and that's where someone speaks out a message in tongues, and there should be someone who can interpret. It means that the Holy Spirit needs to light somebody up and give them the interpretation. Does it ever happen that someone gets a little overzealous and they make up some words for that? I'm sure it does. For everything that God has that real, there's going to be a counterfeit. Have I been in some service before? I'm like, God, if this is for me, have them say blah, 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 blah. Exactly. And they said, blah, 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 blah. And I hit my knees and trembled. It's, it's an amazing thing when God, you know, sends a message directly to you in a service like that. But there's a prayer language. I don't know if you've ever hit a time in your life, but I have several times where I got so, I was so crushed spiritually, so, so broken. I had prayed and cried out everything I could pray and cry out, and I was done, and I had nothing more I could say. I had no idea what to pray anymore. I was just so done and i just begin to weep and next thing i know i began to to pray in a prayer language in, in a heavenly language and it just began to roll and roll and roll and roll and i could feel i could feel the burdens lifting out of my chest like literally i felt the weight like you know when you when you've had a good cry i guess you'd say only more intense than that and so i know that the holy spirit was literally the things i could not get broke loose through that prayer language, the Holy Spirit broke them loose, and I got up from the altar. And was my life all perfect after that? No, but I walked out with that weight lifted. And for me personally, I don't know that anybody else experienced this. I always, if you grew up in an area like I did in Nebraska, there's certain times when the snow, we get wet snows here, and we get humidity. There you get these crisp, clean mountain air. You walk out, and it almost burns your nose. It's so sharp and clean. And ever since I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, when I have a very powerful moment where it's a, brokenness and just pouring out then i breathe different air i I don't know what it is um i do have parts of my message i don't want to skip because there's been some studies on this of recent in the recent i think at least last decade speaking tongues there's literally something that happens different in the brain when someone speaks in tongues that they can't explain because it's different than any other function of our brain it touches a place of our brain and does something different than anything else does so There has been scientific proof that something, whether they want to admit it's spiritual or not, speaking in tongues does something different to their brains than anything else does. All right, so 
So speaking in other tongues, it's not only the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but also provides benefits after that initial event, such as the prayer language. So you can call it prayer language or tongues or whatever you want to call it, but many choose not to use this language, and I believe it's mainly because they don't understand the benefit. And maybe it has come out of a desperation. Sometimes you have to get to a place of such desperation that you really aren't thinking about what God may do to you, and you're not really wanting to put the brakes on because you just don't care. You may be at that place where God just take me. I'm coming down this altar, and I don't plan to get back up. Just kill me now, you know? Take me on. And I think in sometimes those places of desperation, then the Spirit steps in, knows that you are at your end. Romans 8, 26-27, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be, under, uh, be uttered. Now He who searches the hearts knows that what the mind of the Spirit is because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so we can see that this benefit is available. When, when we don't know how to pray, you can pray in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit praying through you, uh, praying in, through tongues because God knows because God knows His will. You may not know His will, but when we begin to pray with the Spirit's help, we are praying in accordance with God's will. The other thing, too, that I believe and I grew up under the teaching is that Satan can't understand the prayer language. That Satan can mess with your prayers when you're praying in your native tongue, your earthly tongue, but Satan doesn't understand the prayer language. And so uh, it is also considered an a uninterrupted prayer between us and God through the Holy Spirit. 1 John 5, 14-15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. So how can we have confidence? By knowing that we are praying according to God's will, because we're praying through the Spirit. Okay, so... What do you think? Is there questions from that what, or comments? What do you think about this thing of the prayer language? Maybe that's new to someone here that I thought it was always in a service and it was about a message to the congregation. Any questions? Yeah. Anyone else? Dave.
yeah, I think the easiest way to describe it is there's always a beginning, right? And so we talk about the baptism of fire, baptism of holiness. That's, that's the pre, I, di- I didn't have the gift of being able to speak in tongues, now I do. And then when you, uh, someone gives a message in tongues in a service, that's someone who's been given that gift. So we're really just, I, if I'm answering you right, correctly, we're just looking, you're looking at, you know, is there a difference between what happens in the service and when someone speaks in tongues on their own? Yes. Well, yes, because there are two there are two purposes for the gift of tongues and is is it it comes out in two different ways in our private prayer language and yes, in the service. And when it happens in the service, it's actually subject when you're in your private prayer closet, the Holy Spirit lights you up. There's no one else to really be considering here because it's just you and God. When it's in a service, there's actually instruction in the Bible for especially a shepherd of church. There needs to be order to the service. It actually gives us that. If someone began to give a message in tongues and someone else began, then someone needs to either stop and let the other one go or the pastor needs to say, I, I need you to stop and I'm going to make that call or say, I need one of you to stop. Because it's not, for those of you maybe that haven't received that gift, you're not out of control. When I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit, standing at the altar, not praying for it, God, I'm going to walk away from here and not believe in you anymore unless you prove to me you're real. Uh, I'm ready to be done with it. And boom, I'm staring at lights. I'd fallen backwards, hit my head, never stopped praying. And I could hear myself. I knew what was going on. Never had a bump, never had any pain, nothing. Um, best experience ever, just freeing and changed my changed my whole direction of my walk with God. And so still had struggles, but it was han- I handled them differently. And, you know, an interesting thing, I still attribute to the fact that when I walked away from God, fully aware that I was walking away, I, had, I still kept a reverence that I have not always seen with folks that maybe have not been bad in the Holy Spirit because there's, there's this check in your spirit that says, I'm not going to mock church. I'm not going to mock God. I'm not going to put down the church. If I have an issue with church people and that's why I'm not going, then that's my problem. And what would end up happening, and I don't like to bring glory to those days, but what happened is be at a bar talking to some guy who, who mocked a church or whatever, and next thing you know, you're correcting them. Hey, let me tell you something, though. God really does move. He's real. The Holy Spirit does do that. I have a friend, James, that he, him and I both uh, came back to the Lord, and he came back after, but his parents went to a Baptist church. They got filled with the Holy Spirit and got asked to leave. It weirded him out because he was involved in the youth group, and so he quit going to church after that. And so me and James are at a bar drinking. James begins to tell me the story. And I said, I didn't know you grew up in church. Yeah. And I said, and he tells me a story. I said, James, i got to tell you, that's real. I said, it happened to me. I said, I know what you're thinking, but it's real. Blew him away. So God gets a hold of me. I meet Jen. This fast forward a couple years. James is in our wedding. We go by his house to check on him, and he has Passion of Christ sitting there in a Bible. And James had given his heart back to God. And, and it just, you know, it was one of those things. The Holy Spirit, it was such a real experience that I can never deny it. If I walk away from God and I'm in a bar or I'm, you know, with ISIS, you know, persecuting Christians, the fact of the matter is the truth will set you free. The truth, you can never deny the truth. You may try to deny it and tell people, oh, I was confused. But when it's really God and it's that powerful, you just never will deny it. 
you may make bad choices, you may walk away, you may stumble, you may fall, you may get up, but you can't deny what, what happened. And so you'll meet people who maybe tried really hard, they wanted to have it, and so they mimicked or they got whatever, and then their life looks terrible, and you're thinking, that's what spirit-filled is? You've got to keep in mind, again, you're not gauging your experience by others' experience. You're digging in with God to the point that you experience him in a real way, and you know between you and him it's real. Who cares what everybody else got? You're a child just like they're a child. Ken? Yeah, so, right. Yeah. And, and, that, and Ken, what Ken's saying, and because we grew, we grew up in that environment, and, and it's very frustrating to us because we've experienced the real, and we're like, what goes wrong there? Because it seems like you have a Holy Spirit outpouring, and there's a weirdness that comes around. I've always uh, been told that, especially smaller churches, it draws the nuts. No offense to anybody that feels a little nutty tonight, but it draws the nuts because people assume there's not much control there. There's not much with their one senior pastor or, you know, and not any full-time staff that they can get away with more. And it does, but here's the deal. When those times are happening and things are breaking loose, I believe there's a, there's a choice to either give glory and praise to what the infilling and what those gifts do to your community, to your families, and to them, and, and that's where the glory stays. And there's a temptation to give glory to the outward appearance of the people rolling around and doing this and all kinds of things, and, and that's church. And then we start having a little shouting match about what's happening in our church. And praise God. And next thing you know, it's in the four walls. There may be people coming in, but, but it never goes and impacts our community because we got so excited about the outward appearance. And that, praise God, look at us. And our church this and our church that. And hey, you know what? What I pray is that we all grow to the point we don't brag on our church. 
to other churches or on Facebook. That's been recent for me. God's been on my eyes. I start watching. I have pastor friends. I respect, love. They got right intentions. And I start looking at all the advertising we do for our church. And our church and church and church and our church this. And look what's happening in our church. And, and look, I might be the mood I'm in. But I'm, I'm telling you, there's something kind of stirring in me that, man, but Jesus. But Jesus. Because where, how do we connect the churches and work together? We quit looking at how, which one's better, right? And start working together. We, we start making it all about Jesus. Keep the main thing the main thing. And so I think what happens is some of us maybe have experienced a Pentecostal experience where people got too excited about the appearance of what was happening and that excitement and the outward stuff instead of focusing on now where does this go and let's go bring more people in and let's go out and witness. And then it becomes stinky because it starts turning. There's the fake stuff comes in because people are wanting to keep that going and God's saying, I didn't give you that to sit in the pew and to not do anything with it. I gave you that gift so that you take that excitement, just like in the book of Acts, and go out and be willing to go to your death to share the gospel. So the research at Oral Roberts University shows the difference between those who spoke in tongues and those who do not. When someone prays in tongues, the brain releases two chemicals which are directed into our immune system, which gives 35% boost and promotes healing in our bodies. They proved that with, with scientific research that it releases, literally it releases two chemicals which are directed in our immune system which gives us 35% boost and promotes healing in our bodies. Why aren't people being healed, Pastor CJ? Maybe we need the Holy Spirit to be let loose and for people to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. It also goes on to say it comes from a part of our brains which do not have any other activity unless we pray in the Spirit. That part of our brain, which they were able to identify on scans, only lights up when someone prays in tongues, otherwise never does. All right, so also praying in tongues, there also, I saw a video, I don't know if it's still out there, maybe on YouTube, they actually had some video attached to some of this research where they were showing what happens to people's brains when they pray in tongues. So also praying in tongues keeps us you more aware of the love of God in your life. Okay, so uh, the second part, power to witness, we've already covered this a lot, but Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses to, uh, to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we see that there, there's also uh, that power. Ephesians 3, 20-21, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him to be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and forever. So he gives us power. He has power to spare. He has abundant beyond what we can imagine in power. And then Ephesians 6, 10, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So this power is for purpose. This power is not so that we can put a big S on our chest, super Christian, so we can be like, "Woo, look at me. It's to, to do. Well, uh, you know, here's the problem is I didn't take Greek and Hebrew. But from what I understand, it is two separate, there's two separate works going on there that we're talking about God's power, which he, through uh, the Holy Spirit working us, we are endued with power. 
but the anointing is something that God, uh, that the Holy Spirit gives for, um, for such as preaching and the teaching. And, and so it's when you're uh, delivering the Word of God. So the third thing to fit with that, the power to teach the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 9-10, But it is written, I has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So we see that there's, a, there's that work. And then the fourth thing, Christ will be glorified in your life. John 16, 13, and 14. However, when the, whole, the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but wherever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you, to, uh, tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Here's what I believe. I believe you're just like me. I do. I, I believe we have different personalities, different life experiences. But here's what I think we're the same on. That we all internalize our struggles in our walk with the Lord. And we gauge ourselves and measure ourselves constantly, whether we want to admit it or not, even to ourselves, that we do. And that gauging and that measuring that goes on inside of us quickly dictates how much we will let God do in our life, in the radical sense. And so, for example, again, when it comes to witnessing, you start to give all yourself the excuses. Ah, I'm not really good at that. Ah, I really don't know God's word that well. Ah, you know, really, there's better people in church to do that. Uh, that person doesn't really respect me. Whatever. You know, we go through these things. And I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and you feel like you've dried up, you might have dried up because maybe we're not focused on enough here. I've been in a church that I respected the pastor, loved him, was there, and I told my wife, I'm drying up here. I'm drying up here. I need something. And of course now I've learned that Sometimes it's not a matter of location and, and uh, the church you're at. It's a matter of God's put that hunger in you for you to chase after him. Not a different location because you'll still have the hunger. And if they don't got it, you're in this endless search for a place where you can find that, that thing. And God's just saying, all I told you to do is that you, you need something. And it was up to you to dig for it. So I really probably should have taught on fasting before this message. Because I want to approach this differently than I ever have with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Usually in the Assemblies of God that I grew up, you preach this powerful sermon on the Holy Spirit, you call people up, and everybody starts with praying that people receive. And I believe um, Evangelist Jared Horton did that. Totally fine. He's a, he's a different delivery guy than I am, right? Um, he's got different giftings. But I believe that some of us, Whatever, it might be perception of me, it might be perception of our services, whatever, but there may be roadblocks. It may not be to do with the church, it might be in your life, but I believe we need to do some introspection and some fasting. Now, I'm going to give you a little short lesson on fasting because anytime I mention that, I don't want people to do anything unhealthily. Number one, fasting's not always cold turkey. All I can have is water for 40 days, all right? You're, if God doesn't tell you to do that, your body will react negatively and we'll be doing your funeral, okay? So you, <laughs> you got to understand, you, you went out with a bang. You did the most spiritual thing you could, but you finished it yourself. So, um, but listen, fasting can be as simple as this. 
every day this week I'm going to not eat lunch. Or I'm going to have, I'm going to take a wafer and communion. I'm going to do communion at lunch. You don't fast just by not eating. It needs to be a time with the Lord in place of that. That's the purpose. You're giving up substance for your body to dedicate yourself to the Lord. And it's powerful because your body wants that food. Because it's natural. You're created that way. And you're giving up that very thing that God said, this is how you function. You've got to eat. And you give it up. So this is it. We're going to have times where we're going to pray for the infilling Holy Spirit. I can tell you that in services. And I don't mind praying for anybody that wants to be prayed for tonight for that. In fact, I'd be glad to, be honored to. But I believe some of us probably need to do a little prayer and fasting. And in our private time, because I know a whole lot of people got filled with the Holy Spirit off on their own. My mom told you about the one hanging laundry. Hadn't even been taught about it. She grew up in Catholic church and she hadn't been taught about that. And she's seeking God, hanging laundry in the backyard. And had to run to my mom and said, what was I just saying? <laughs> so, so that's why I want us. To, I just want to do. I will have time for us to also pray at the end. We usually get out about 10 minutes from now. So that's a short time to spend with the Lord. But you've got 10 minutes. You can just really dig in. You can stay longer than that. Stay as long as you want. We'll leave the church open for as long. But, um, but at least for the service time, we've got 10 minutes. So I'm going to shut up here in a minute. If you want prayer any, for anything, you can come up here and I'll be, I'll be more than glad to pray for you. Um, but I'm going to ask you to really search that out. Do I need to, have I really been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Is there something maybe I'm missing? Is there something that, you know, I've got the Holy Spirit because I'm a believer, but is there their power to witness? Maybe that's the thing I, I need to. You know, I hear these stories about how the Lord leads you into these situations and you lead people to the Lord, you find them on the highway and everything. I'm not doing that. There's nothing special about me. I'm telling you, no false humility here. I'm driving down the road. I see somebody walking. I pass people walking every day on the road. I'm telling you the stories where the Holy Spirit won, got my attention on the head. CJ, you got to listen this time. And you know, listen, it's when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're praying in tongues and God's inter- the Holy Spirit's interceding through you on a regular basis. I believe that's the key. It's just your radio, your Holy Spirit radio is just tuned in a little bit sharper and that power comes in that situation. And next thing you know, lives are being changed around you. So let's spend some time in prayer. Nathan or Kim, you got it. Thank you.